Welcome to the official podcast of the Charles County State's Attorney's Office. I'm Tony Covington again, your state's attorney. Today we're going to be talking about plea deals or plea agreements. I get so many questions and concerns from the citizens of the county. All prosecutors do. And folks think that prosecutors are giving away the farm all the time when it comes to serious cases because we enter into a plea agreement. Well, I'm here to talk to you about what plea agreements are, why they're necessary, and why they're actually good things. But first, please take a listen to this message. I'll be right back after the break. Tony Covington here. I want to take this opportunity to invite all of our listeners to the Salome A. Howard Bar Association's 7th Annual Scholarship Affair. It will be held on April 12, 2019 at 7.30 in the evening at the Greater Waldorf JCs in Waldorf. Salome A. Howard Bar Association, of which I'm a founding member, is a nonprofit organization. The scholarship affair raises money for students to attend the College of Southern Maryland. It's a great cause, and it's a great time. You have to believe me on that. This is the seventh time we're doing it, and it is a fun time for all. It's a black tie event with a live band, open bar, and trust me, very little people talking on the microphone, boring everybody to death. It's a gala-type atmosphere, so please come on out. In order to get your tickets, you can email SalomeAHowardBar at gmail.com. Salome is spelled S-A-L. O-M-E. So it's Salome A. Howard Bar at gmail.com. You can also go to the Facebook page for the Bar Association. That's also Salome A. Howard Bar. Thanks a lot. Hope to see you there. All right. Welcome back. Let's get right into it. First, what are plea deals? What, we, what do we mean by plea deals or plea agreements? Well, as we know, A defendant will be charged in a case, say he's charged with five counts of whatever, say robbery, theft, breaking and entering, simple assault and a felony theft charge, right? Well, the most likely result is that defendant is going to plead guilty to one of the charges against him and he'll receive a sentence for that. I say most likely because... Y'all should know that fully 90 to 95 percent of criminal cases resolve themselves without a trial. Sometimes cases are dismissed. Vast majority of time, people enter into a plea agreement. Now, that plea agreement means take those five counts. Person may plead to count one and then the state agrees to dismiss the other counts. So that would be one type of a plea deal or plea agreement. The parties have agreed that he's going to plead to one count. The other counts are going to go away and then he will be sentenced to whatever the judge wants him to. But again, that's one type of plea deal. And I'll get into the other types of plea deals in a little while. But first, let me talk about why plea deals are actually necessary. Um, First of all, they're practically necessary. By that, I mean, if every defendant had a trial, their trials would be scheduled 10 years from now. The system simply can't accommodate all of that. So from a practical standpoint, people are going to enter into plea deals. Now, also from a justice standpoint, from the prosecutor's viewpoint, in my office, we try to hold people accountable for the crimes they committed, nothing more, nothing less. The reality is this, though. 
if we have somebody charged with five counts and they get and they were found guilty on all counts, say at trial, or they pled guilty to all counts, they're not going to get a sentence for all five counts. That just doesn't happen. Okay, um, so the state is not losing anything. Our citizens are not losing anything as far as accountability is concerned from a plea deal. Now, let me give you the largest reason, in my view, why plea negotiations and plea agreements um, are entered into. It's called certainty or uncertainty, whichever one you want to call it. Prosecutors and defense attorneys cannot be certain what a jury or a judge is going to do in any particular case. When a case goes to trial, nobody can predict what a jury is going to do. If anybody tells you that they can, they are lying to you. And that drives most of the plea negotiations. Now, when I say that prosecutors and defense attorneys can't be certain about juries or trust juries, that's how some people put it, I'm not being critical, all right? When people hear evidence, they believe what they want to believe. And just because a prosecutor thinks that the evidence that he had certainly shows that somebody is guilty of whatever, that it's a slam dunk case, it does not mean that a jury's going to see it that way. The reverse is also true. And in case you all didn't know, I have been out in private practice as a defense attorney. And as a defense attorney, you don't know how the jury is going to view the evidence either. You can guess, you can predict, but you can never be certain. So if somebody's charged with, say, first-degree murder, the facts might be good, may not be all that great for the state, or may or may not be all that great for a defendant. In order to have certainty from the state standpoint, look, I want to make sure we have a conviction here and that this person is held accountable, then perhaps instead of having the person plead guilty to the top count, say, first-degree murder, let them plead guilty to second-degree murder, which is a less sentence available to the court, but it's a certain conviction with very serious time attached to it. If you're a defendant, you may think, well, you know, we got a good shot here, but I can't trust the jury either. They may think my guy committed a first-degree murder, so I'm willing to enter enter into negotiations and people come up with an agreement, all right? Um, Because... He doesn't want to go to jail for life, which is what first-degree murder carries. He's willing to take his chances with a judge um, arguing for only a second-degree murder, and he's limited his exposure. So that's truly why plea agreements are entered into. It isn't because folks are just afraid to try cases. I'm talking about from a prosecutor's standpoint, and that applies to a defense attorney as well. The evidence is there. People have to make a judgment. And I say people, I'm talking about the attorneys, have to make a judgment as to what the evidence is going to show. But there's something else that's very important, too. Not only do I have to, as a prosecutor, worry about what the evidence is going to show and what people are going to believe, I also have to have some good idea what the judge is going to do. Let's not talk about a murder case. The stakes are so high in those that, uh, quite frankly, probably about half of those cases go to trial, whereas opposed to, like I said earlier, Most cases, 95% of them end up in a plea deal. Let's talk about uh, a simple misdemeanor case, all right? As a prosecutor, say I'm in district court. I'm dealing with a shoplifter. I know that if this person is found guilty in front of this particular judge for shoplifting, he might get a weekend in jail. So why am I going to sit there and fight with a defense attorney and a defendant 
when he's willing to plead guilty, go ahead and get his two days from this particular judge because I think he should get 30 days or 60 days or a year in jail. I can think that all I want. No matter what I say to this particular judge, he's not going to get that. So why am I going to hold everybody up, witnesses, defendant, attorney, judge, waste court time on trying to hold out for something that is never going to happen? It's never going to happen. And on top of that, I have gotten the most that I can get. He's going to plead guilty to the top count of shoplifting, and the judge is going to give the maximum sentence that this judge is willing to give. So again, why am I holding out? What am I trying to do? All right. Um, And there may be other charges in that case in district court where those cases are going to go away. Those counts, excuse me, are going to go away. But again, it's not going to change what the sentence would be, even if this person pled to all of those counts. The judge would not give him any more than what he's going to get. Now, oftentimes there are counts, almost, in fact, almost always, there are counts in a criminal case that the defendant isn't either found guilty of or doesn't plead guilty to. And a lot of people take that um, mistakenly for prosecutors overcharging a defendant, trying to load up counts on a defendant. That really is not the case, and I really hope that you, you listen, to the, listen to this and understand um, why so many counts in each case are charged. As a prosecutor, I have to charge the crimes that the evidence supports. Why? Because I don't know what a jury at a trial is going to decide. Let me give you a concrete example. Say somebody breaks into a house and rob somebody at gunpoint. Well, the breaking and entering is going to be a home invasion or a burglary. The armed robbery is going to be charged. A simple robbery, meaning not with a weapon, is going to be charged. Um, a first-degree assault, that is an assault with a weapon, is going to be charged. A second-degree assault is going to be charged. And then you're going to charge a theft for whatever property the person took. You're like, wow, all those charges for just one crime. Well, here's why. Let's say at trial, the jury or a judge, because it's going to be a judge trial, doesn't believe that the defendant actually broke into the residence. Say the jury thinks that these guys were friends and he was already there. Well, he'll be found not guilty of the burglary. All right. That's what they believe. Evidence doesn't doesn't necessarily show that, but that's what they believe. And they're in charge. So now all we have left is the armed robbery and robbery. Well, let's say that the jury doesn't believe that the person actually had a weapon, didn't have a gun on them. Well, guess what? That count, the defendant will be found not guilty of. And we can keep on going down the line. I think you get my point. The point is that it is up to the jury to decide at trial what the person is finally and ultimately guilty of. But as a prosecutor, at the beginning of the case, we always prepare a case with, with the view that we are putting it in front of a jury. And a jury is going to have the final say. So we have to give them all the counts that they might find a defendant guilty on as far as the evidence is concerned. Now, so that looks like even in a plea deal. Now, the guy's charged with burglary, charged with armed robbery. Well, again, say the guy pleads to the armed robbery. Well, if he pled to burglary and armed robbery, he's not going to get two separate um, sentences for that. This just doesn't happen realistically. Nor will he get sentences for 
the simple robbery, the theft, or the, or the assault. Okay? So we're not overcharging cases. What we do is we charge everything that the evidence could prove beyond a reasonable doubt the person is guilty of, and that's because we have to rely on what the jury does. And what did I say at the very beginning of this podcast? I said that the main reason that we enter into plea agreements is because we never know what a jury is going to do. There is no certainty. Nobody can predict that a jury is going to see the evidence the same way that a prosecutor does or see the evidence the same way that the defense attorney in the case will see it. So that's really the story on plea negotiations, plea agreements, or plea deals. Plea deals are not a bad thing. It's not a dirty word, especially for prosecutors and defendants and their attorneys. It is something that has to be done and should be done. But most importantly, folks need to understand, as a prosecutor, we're not trying to dodge anything. We're not trying to get out of any work or anything of that nature. We have to do things that justice requires. And plea negotiations and plea deals really ensure justice more than you think. And that, again, is because the triers of fact, either a judge or a jury, can't be predicted what they're going to do. And so everybody goes for the certainty of a plea. Because if somebody pleads guilty to a crime and the agreement is that he's going to get 20 years, well, guess what? That person's going to get 20 years. Whereas if we went to trial on the case and lost, then he won't be subjected to anything. That would not be just. Obviously, the more serious the crime is, uh, the less plea agreements and plea negotiations are involved in it. But regardless, like I said, 95% of cases end up in plea negotiations, or I should say 5% of cases don't end up in a trial. I guess it's easier to say it that way. As I've also told you, the real serious cases, the first-degree murders, your first-degree rapes, and your very serious sex offenses, those cases are prone to go to trial a lot more, mainly because the stakes are just way too high for the defendant, but also for the state and the victim's families. Lastly, let me say something that I probably should have said earlier. Please understand something. The evidence that a prosecutor has when a case is originally charged almost always changes one way or the other by time we get to trial. What do I mean by that? Well, witnesses move away from the area. They're not findable. Witnesses and victims don't want to cooperate. They wanted to cooperate in the heat of the moment when things were bad, but now time has elapsed. They don't want to go forward. Um, Evidence just changes from the time of charging to the time that you come to trial. And because that evidence can change, or you get even more evidence, how you viewed the case at the moment of charging can be and is oftentimes much different right before you go to trial. So that is taken into account as well. Look, as a prosecutor, and I'm getting ready to conclude here, as a prosecutor, I'm always seeking justice, always trying to do the right thing. In Charles County, I will tell you, as a state's attorney, I tell everybody in my office, justice is very simple to see. Not always easy to achieve, but simple to see. You hold the person accountable for what they've done, the crime that they have committed, nothing more, nothing less. And how do you hold somebody accountable? They either plead guilty to it, 
or you have a trial and try to find them guilty of it. That's what we do here in Charles County, and that's what we're going to continue to do. The state's attorney's office mission is to protect the innocent and punish the guilty. Plea deals further that mission. Thank you for listening to this podcast. And please subscribe to Tony Talks Charles County Crime. Our next podcast, coming up pretty soon, is going to be on jury service. You don't want to miss that one. Thank you. Have a great day.